I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Episode 16 of the Dynasty debates we survived well i say we survived maybe we didn't survive but we're here we're here and that's what matters we survived the debacle that was week 15 first week of the fantasy playoffs i am evan brown your humble host as always the humblest host you can catch me on twitter at ff evolution if you so wish you can also follow the show at dynasty debates i know it's busy i know it is christmas week but if you have a spare 30 to 45 seconds in your crazy awesome lives and you felt like dropping a little rating maybe even a cheeky review on your favorite podcast listening platform i will be honest i would really appreciate that so thank you very much if you do wish to do that guys christmas week And what better way to celebrate the Yuletide season than to have a super duper fantastic awesome guest. And I have just that. I have none other than the drip master of Dynasty, Troy King at T King Mode himself. He is a contributor at Yahoo Fantasy. He's a co-host of the Mailbag Show at Football Guys. He is the initiator should i say of thirsty thursdays yeah he is um (laughs) he's he is a man of many hats um and he looks good in all of them troy how the heck are you buddy man thank you so much for the intro man i was really really appreciated i'm doing great i'm doing fantastic i'm excited for the holidays christmas with my family you know it's it's been a crazy year you know it's about to end but i'm really excited to you know kind of unwind and fantasy playoffs is kind of hectic and it's stressful but you know i'm doing well though oh it is stressful to say the least did you how did week one of the fantasy playoffs treat you speaking of which it was awful (laughs) it was it was was rough it was absolutely rough i mean i had a lot of players on the covid list i had lamar in a lot of places so that you know that definitely hurt me it was chaotic and there was I'm getting kicked out of the first round in a lot of playoffs. And that's why, you know, buys are so important. Like, if you there's obviously everyone's goal is to buy, but man, if you have a buy, especially this week, man, you got lucky because a lot of my team, again, I'm, I'm going to be in a live in some, you know, playoffs still. So I'm going to make it to the next round, but I'm getting kicked out of a lot of first rounds. So it's kind of, you know, it sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this year, more than possibly any other year that I can remember, I've genuinely been so thankful for any league I've had a bye weekend because there's been some absolutely brutal. I mean, I had a league where I think I was, you know, I'd won like eight of my last nine matches. And so I'm feeling pretty good. And I was starting as a super flex league and I was starting like, you know, Taysom Hill. Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb. I'm feeling pretty good. Javante, 
you know, Leonard Fournette. I'm thinking this is pretty nice, pretty tasty. I think they probably gave me like 50 points between all of them. You know, <laughs> like it was an absolute nightmare. Um, but we are here and that is the important thing. It is the week before Christmas. We are recording on Tuesday, the 21st. And because it's Christmas time, I've got a couple of little questions here. I think that we need to we need to get get straight first and foremost. Troy, give me your your what is your take? I know what my answer is, but is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, I'll say yeah. I I've gone back and forth with this. I don't think there's a clear cut winner, but I'll say this is probably Christmas time. Christmas reference a couple of times, but you know what? Overall, it's a Christmas movie, right? I mean, maybe it's not your traditional Christmas movie because it might not be the Christmas movie that you want, but it's a Christmas movie nonetheless. It's the Christmas movie that you need. Exactly. Christmas movie that you need with explosions and action. Yes. I watch it every Christmas Eve after the kids are in bed. I watch it, <laughs> set up by myself and watch Die Hard. Um, but what, speaking of Christmas, so what are your, give me your top three. What are your top three favorite Christmas films? Films? Uh, in no particular order. I love Elf. Elf yes. is so funny to me. Yep. Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Yep. That may be number one. I love Jim Carrey's The Grinch. So Elf, Jim Carrey's Grinch, and third one's tough. I might say, I might say Home Alone. Oh, my wife is absolutely obsessed with Home Alone. It. So I'll, I'll, I think those are my three. You see, this is see, guys. This is why Troy is on the podcast. He understands <laughs> that Die Hard is a Christmas film, and he has an absolutely smashing top three <laughs> Christmas movies. Absolutely love all three of those. We went and saw. Um, we actually went and saw a screening. We have a cinema here in Belfast by the university and it shows like old films sometimes and stuff like that. And they did a screening of home alone like last week. So we actually were able to go down and watch it um, in the cinema. It was really, really fun. Um, But yeah, so no bye weeks. We are going to make it into the uh, second round of the playoffs. Some of us, but before we do so, we need to cover off one of my favorite segments. An honorable hatchet man does not lie. A hatchet man. Ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Anyone can carry a hatchet, even a liar. To be honest, there were, I mean, there was a list about as long as my arm of Hatchetmen this week that I could have uh, could have plucked from the air and they would have all been relevant and they all would have been high quality. But for me personally, the one that I feel most disgusted with is one that's probably very close to home for Troy as a big Dolphins fan. It is Duke Johnson. That's right. Duke unemployed Johnson, who hasn't been able to make it on the field all year. He got cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad at one point. I mean, that's got to tell you something, right? This guy, this, this guy comes out of nowhere, right? Because Miles Gaskin and a couple other guys were on the COVID list. Big deal. He all of a sudden gets elevated from the practice squad. So last week, I am waxing lyrical about Miles Gaskin and what he is going to do to the New York Jets. I am telling everybody to throw him in their lineups. And what happens? What happens, I ask you? What happens, Troy? Duke freaking Johnson comes out <laughs> here, takes away all Miles Gaskin's work, gets Miles Gaskin's two touchdowns, finishes as the RB1 on the week. And to add insult to injury, I have a I have Miles Gaskin in a couple of leagues. Now I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy going into the second round of the playoffs to start Miles Gaskin. I don't know what to expect. Thanks very much, Duke Johnson, for and this is this is the thing. 
I like Duke Johnson. I used to have a lot of Duke Johnson. I never was a truther or a stan, whatever you want to call it. But I always thought he was fairly reasonably priced and some good production. You know, somebody you could plug in on bye weeks, things like that. I actually had dropped him pretty much from all my rosters at this stage. Just or well, not only would I not have played him, but now I can't even play the guy I do have. So thanks very much, Duke Johnson. That is very. I feel like you are a Grinch. You have you have stolen Christmas cheer from me and many others, so I'm not happy about it. Rant over. I know, congratulations on the win, by the way, Troy. Uh, Troy, who's your Hatcha Man of the Week? Who do you got for us? So, and just to talk about, it, no one knew, no one expected Duke Johnson to, you know, pretty much steal the RB one job, you know, on Sunday from Miles Gaskin. No one predicted it, so it was something that you couldn't have prepared for. It was. Bizarre. I'm happy for the Dolphins win. I had Gaskin going a bunch of places, so I feel you on that. My hatchet man, though, is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is supposed yes. to be what like a top three QB every single week in fantasy, right? Just because of his, you know, he's you know electric, his rushing, everything, and he's on one of the best teams in the league. Obviously, a lot to do with him. And then in the three games he came back, like the first game from he came back from injury, you know, he balled out. And then the previous week, he had, like, no touchdowns and two interceptions. Still looking sloppy. But, you know, we gave him a pass. He's Kyler Murray. This week, against the worst team in the freaking universe, the Lions, they lost. The Cardinals, again, they could have locked up playoffs. You know, like, again, they should be locking up the playoff spot right now. They lost to the worst team in the league. Like, it made absolutely no sense. And he had a 56% completion rate, which is disgusting. And he had one touchdown, one interception. And normally when a QB, a mobile QB struggles, we can at least, you know, rely on them for their rushing. But unfortunately, he only rushed for three yards. That didn't help you at all. So pretty much when you need a Kyler Murray the most, he lets you down. And the problem is, it's like, okay, so let's say you're a team that if you survive, let's say you had a buy, either you survive with Kyler Murray in your right lineup or you had a buy and have to play him next week. You can't sit him. And I think that's the problem with Kyler Murray is that he's too good and he's too explosive to keep on your bench because, again, if you leave him on your bench and you try to trust some random dude in your lineup and he goes off on your bench, you're going to feel sick. So it's like yeah. we're, we just got to hope that he looks more like Kyler Murray next week. But, yeah, it's he lost a lot of people, a lot of first rounds. And, again, people probably had him in a lineup, but, yeah, I'm going to win easy. But I had him in a few lineups. I'm not going to make it to the next round, and it is what it is. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. But if you have them, unfortunately, you're going to have to keep playing them. Yeah, no, you've absolutely nailed. So may I just say a tip of the cap to you, sir. You've nailed the hatchet man. <laughs> you understand the uh, the essence of the hatchet man. Absolutely. You're right. They're studs, and you have to start them because you're not going to trust um, you know, a Trevor Simeon or somebody like that, Jake Fromm. You're not going to put them over them, but at the same time, it's going to make you feel absolutely sick if they do come out and give you seven points or something like that, and you lose your semifinal. It was very frustrating, but let's move on and talk about something else before we our heads explode. Spilling the tea. Honestly, I don't know how you feel, Troy, but for me, I, as much as I love the season, and I genuinely do, even though it gets hectic and stressful, I mean, it's football. We love football, you know, it's great to watch the games every week. In some ways, I'm almost like 
wanting the season to be over now because I I cannot believe the amount of injuries that we see every single week at this stage. Like it's unbelievable. And some of them, a lot of them are so serious. Um, so I'm just going to run through these because there's quite a few of little updates here. And then we can obviously just pull out any you want to talk about real quick before we move on. Um, in week 15, Joe Mixon suffered an ankle sprain. Um, so again, don't have too much more information on it yet. Doesn't sound great. It reminds me a lot actually of, I believe it was two years ago where he was like ill and then he came back and it was like the semifinals or maybe the finals and he was going to play. So then you sort of started him and he absolutely sucked and gave you like four points. I'm really worried that that's going to happen again with Mixon. News AJ Brown is designated to return from IR. The Titans desperately need him. Um, there's a couple of teams of mine that might actually be in the semifinals that could really use him. Again, that's nervous though. It's a nervous situation to throw somebody straight off the IR into your starting lineup. Um, again, I did that with Michael Carter at the weekend there, and that wasn't great. Um, Daniel Jones is going to miss the rest of the season with the neck injury. The Giants don't have anything to play for at this stage. Let's be honest. Teddy Bridgewater left with a concussion. It looked really scary. I was actually really worried for him, but apparently... The news so far is that it is pretty good, pretty solid. He's um, communicated to his teammates and stuff that he seems to be okay. Drew Locke is expected to start for Denver in week 16. Um, Leonard Fournette is to miss a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. So apparently he avoided any serious injury, but he has sort of um, damaged his hamstring. So he's probably going to miss the next week or two. So it could be out for the rest of the, the fantasy season, maybe back for championship week, depending on how things go. Really sad news. Chris Godwin tore his ACL and MCL and is done for the season. That's pretty devastating for him, especially um, if I'm unless I'm misremembering. I believe he was going to be a free agent this summer. So that's real bummer for him. Uh, Will Fuller will not return this season for the Dolphins. So he has been an absolute waste of money. And Sterling Shepard tore his Achilles, which is pretty rough, um, pretty rough stuff. So those are the main sort of news and notes, the highlights there, the, um, the the injuries and things like that. Is there anything that jumps out to you? Anything you wanted to touch on out of that from a dynasty perspective, Troy? From a dynasty perspective, I have no idea about Will Fuller. Like I'd have... Here's the thing, like he's still really good. I mean, I have no idea what happened with his finger. I, I don't, I doubt the Dolphins resign him. But his contract wasn't a lot, so I wouldn't mind resigning him. But there's a good chance he won't be back, so his future is up in the air. Uh, in terms of anything else that stands out from a dynasty perspective, nothing really stands out to me. Like Chris Godwin, it's very, very sad news. But dynasty wise, he's still one of the best wide receivers for dynasty. But yeah, everyone else, it's. I think their dynasty value doesn't move up or down that much either way. Yeah, I, I would say for me, definitely, you know, not right now, not this week, but give it a couple more weeks, maybe into the playoffs, the the, the NFL playoffs start of the offseason. If the Chris Godwin manager in your league is frustrated or just upset or, or is down on him for any reason and does want to, you know, move on from him. Again, that is somebody I would certainly be interested in acquiring because he's still quite young and I would be pretty confident that he would be able to come back from a, an ACL, you know, in this day and age with the modern medicine that we have. But keep an eye on that, see how that goes. But yeah, agree with agree with Troy and his synopsis there. Employee of the week. A quick recap for transparency's sake um, of last week. My bust mart candidate for the first week of the fantasy playoffs was Cortland Sutton. And I nailed that. So he finished with two receptions for 12 yards. So if you started him again, you're probably sad. You're probably out of the playoffs. He is currently wide receiver 73 with 3.2 PPR points. So that was no bueno. 
very sad situation. Um, my Studs R Us nominee was the aforementioned Miles the Gas Man Gaskin. And I have here as my bullet point note, Duke freaking Johnson with not one, not two, but three exclamation points. So you know how serious it is. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Gaskin, even with Duke freaking Johnson, still had 10 attempts, 54 yards, but he didn't get any receptions. Duke freaking Johnson stole his touchdowns and he finishes RB 43 with 5.4 PPR points. But you heard it from the man himself. Troy would know much better than me. He is a Dolphins fan. And if he didn't see it coming, how the heck was I supposed to see it coming? So I apologize for nothing. Troy, talk to me, buddy. What do we got here for Boss Smart candidate? Let's get the bad news out of the way. Going into the semifinals, who is a player that you're not saying people can't start, but you're saying maybe they need to pump the brakes. Marquez Callaway. So Marquez Callaway, he had a really good game last week. So he had six receptions on nine targets for 112 yards. That's an excellent game. The problem with that is we have not seen him perform consistently this season. So before last week, he only had more than four receptions twice the rest of the season. There are plenty of games where he's had only one reception, two reception, one reception, two reception, if you look at his stat sheet. But he's gotten lucky some weeks because he just happened to score a touchdown. So he's had a couple touchdowns on like barely any receptions. The issue with that, though, is that you can't rely on that. It's not something that you can, especially in the fantasy playoffs, like in the fantasy playoffs, you want as sure of things as possible, right? Like, I don't know what your risk tolerance is unless you have like a bunch of flexes, right? Or you start four receivers or something like that. I would much rather start a million other receivers than Marcus Callaway. And he has a good matchup coming up this week against the Miami Dolphins. Like their secondary is pretty strong, but at the same time, they've been able to get beaten by, you know, some receivers. I'm, I think it's going to be more of an Alvin Kamara game. If I had to think about it, more of an Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram game, because the Dolphins can get run on. So that's one of their weaknesses is that they're able to get run on. So I just don't. And again, we've seen like little Jordan Humphrey, like ball out. We've seen like Trey Quan get involved. So the problem is that Marcus Cowboy hasn't shown any consistency this season. So I'm not confident enough in him to put him in my lineup. When I right before the championship game. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you're absolutely right with that. You know, it is like it feels like a lot like Russian roulette with the Saints wide receivers. You just never know. It seems like one of them does tend to pop off, but you just never know who it's gonna be. Um for me, my my nomination for Boss Smart is actually Marquez Valdez Scanling, so MVS for Green Bay. And the reasons behind that are a lot of people might be excited to you know put them in their in their uh, starting lineup again this week because he finishes wide receiver seven in week fifteen, so he had an absolute smash week. Um, it was great, and I'm sure it feels great. And one of the hardest things that I find to do in fantasy is to take somebody that maybe you picked up off the waiver wire, maybe it was a lucky start, or you did it out of desperation and it worked out, and then bench him the next week, or vice versa, like we talked about with Kyler. Somebody really burns you, but you know that you have to stick with it and put them back in the lineup, and that can be really hard to do. I am personally urging caution with MBS. Again, if you're playing in a 16-team league with like six flex spots, absolutely light him up. You never know, but... 
if you're talking like two or three wide receivers you're starting, I would hope you have a better option. Um, again, the things that I would want to highlight would be the Ravens kept scoring on Green Bay. So they were keeping the game competitive. Green Bay had to keep pushing in the ball, keeps trying to score. Um, the Ravens secondary is absolutely ravaged. They're missing Marcus Peters. They're missing Marlon Humphrey. Um, their best cornerbacks, you know, so and, and, and MVS is that deep threat boomer bust. Other than this week, really he is he's only had three games this entire season that have had double digit ppr points three games is not that's not great and also they are going to be playing the browns the browns are you know no offense i'm sorry browns fans but they're all over the place at the moment um you know they 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 don't know who's starting covid list they've had a nightmare um they're going to be on coming off a short week so not only so not only it's kind of a double-edged sword so not only do i not necessarily think the browns are going to be putting up a lot of points on green bay because green bay has a very solid defense against the run very solid against the pass but the Browns are seventh against fantasy wide receivers. So one of their main strengths is their defense and it is their secondary. So the Ravens are 26th. So that's one of the reasons, again, like I said, they're beat up, they're ravaged. It was easy to, to utilize MVS and his skill set of like, you know, 20 air yards per target, but against the Browns it's going to be a lot more tricky. It could very much just be, they get up by two or three touchdowns and then they're just feeding the ball to AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones. And it's just not a lot of targets going around. Obviously Devonta Adams is going to get his, obviously you're starting him obviously you're starting Aaron Rodgers but I wouldn't be excited to 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 throw in the S in my lineup this week so that's my nomination for Busmart. but hey let's Christmas let's talk about some happy things some good tidings of great joy uh what about studs are us so who's a nominee you got for us who's somebody that people might be a little bit nervous about throwing in there on semifinals week but you're saying go for it I would say Deontay Foreman and it's a it was something that I was kind of iffy about, like Deontay Foreman. Like when obviously Henry went down, I had no idea what the split was going to be with him, McNichols, and Hilliard. And obviously, we saw Hilliard had like you know a couple of good weeks, but Deontay Foreman's been the one that's been getting the consistent like workload. So like the last three weeks, he's had 19 carries, 13 carries, 22 carries last week. Is he had over 100 yards in two of those three games? So to me. It's clear that the RB1 in that offense is Deontay Foreman. And they want to be more of a team that runs the ball, right? They're not, especially with like the injuries to Julio Jones and obviously AJ Brown. He's designated from IR, but it's not a guarantee he's going to come back, right? So the injuries they've had to the wide receiver core, they want to try to establish the run, right? Like that's pretty much all they can do at this point because they've had so many injuries and they're so banged up with their wide receiver core. And they get San Francisco, which is in the scary matchup, you know, this upcoming week. Then they get Miami in championship week. And like I mentioned earlier, Miami, they let a lot of teams run all over them, right? Their linebackers aren't that great at stopping the run. So I know Deontay Foreman, that's somebody that you could definitely like flex in that situation. So to me, we want running backs that are getting a lot of work. There are not that many left. You know, there are not many running backs that are getting like a majority of carries or even though it's a split backfield, he's again, 22 carries like that's that's a lot of carries. Right. So that's not something you see from a lot of backs now. So I'm pretty confident in him in terms of the rest of the playoffs. And yeah, I definitely put him a flex spot. Yeah, no, that's that's a great call. I really like that call because as you kind of mentioned, when you get to the playoffs, you want 
I mean, there is no sure things, but you want as close to a sure thing as possible. And usually that means you start your studs, but if you don't have studs, you want to chase volume. So if somebody is, you know, running backs are kind of, you know, no offense, but they're a little bit more replaceable plug and play um, than maybe the elite wide receivers. So if you've got somebody getting 15, 20, 25 carries a game, Sign me up. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the the ravaged backfields that, that we're all dealing with here in the semifinals week. So absolutely love that. That call is great. I I might have to edit you out and put that as my call if it doesn't <laughs> go well for me. But my my um my nomination for Studs R Us is the 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 man himself, a fellow Brown, Antonio Brown. And the reasons being, I mean, in case you just think I'm crazy here, I, I am gonna go through some reasons just so you know that there is a method to the madness. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Godwin is out for the year, sadly. Evans is actually a little bit banged up as well. Not necessarily saying he will miss time, but it's not 100% sure. Um, Fournette obviously is gone, so Rojo should get some work, but we don't know how that's going to go. Um, we're not sure. It may go well, but we don't know. And Antonio Brown, let, let's not forget, he has great rapport with Brady. Like Brady is the one that brought him in. Brady's the one that wants him there. And this year, before he got injured, before he had those uh, the the suspension for the crazy, you know, latest shenanigans that he's been up to, weeks four to six, he was the wide receiver two in PPR. Um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and last last year, you know, when he finally got out over suspension, got able, it was able to play, hit the ground running at the run in weeks ten to seventeen last year, he was the wide receiver eighteen. And PPR. So I absolutely think um, if you've, if you still got Antonio Brown, if he's sitting on your bench there, I would, I would plug him in this week, even if it's, you know, you're a little bit nervous, as long as he's practicing this week, as long as he's active on game day, I would plug him in and I would be pretty hopeful of some, of some good things happening there. And we are moving right into another little segment here, but first I have a little surprise for Troy. I don't actually have a drop for this. I've not done this before, but I was thinking, how, what are your th- first of all? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings on the rookie sensation Jalen Waddle? As a, as a Dolphins fan, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about him? I mean, do you have a tattoo yet, or have you named I, one of your children Jalen? <laughs> I mean, I definitely want a jersey. That's for sure. I absolutely want a jersey. But I've been extremely impressed. I will admit, I'm not a fan of the way we acquired Jalen in terms of the trading back and then trading up again. And losing the draft pick. I'm not a fan of that. So that is something I'm still not happy about. But with Jalen, I think Jalen's greatness, I think it's getting a little bit recognized, but I think a lot of people are, and maybe not so much now, but at least in the beginning of the season, you know, because the chase was taken before him and everything Chase has done. And obviously, Chase has been very cold the past couple of weeks. Like he has not performed well. But especially the way he started, like people were, I guess, hating on Jalen a bit. Or like, oh, did we make the right decision? But He's like broken records and it's like, again, he's been incredible. And I want to see that connection between him and Tua for many years to come. Completely understand your feelings there. The reason I'm asking is I, I, I've been very impressed with him. He's definitely blown my expectations of him out of, out of the water there um, for his rookie year. But it made me think, and I've done a little bit of a deep dive here. So I'm going to do a little game called Cooper Cup or Jalen Waddle. 
because we know Cooper Cup is the wide receiver one on the season. He's been absolutely killing it. And if we go through some of the advanced stats here and we look at it, no surprise, Cooper Cup is leading Jalen Waddle. So, for example, if you look at average separation, he's got 3.6 yards, whereas Waddle's got 3.3. Um, if you look at percentage of teams' air yards, he's at 31.39 and Waddle's at 21.51. So, this is not actually surprising. You know, as you can imagine, he's the wide receiver one overall. I wouldn't really expect that. But what I thought would be interesting, I went back to Cooper Cup's rookie year. So I've taken the rookie year stats. So Cooper Cup played 15 games in his rookie year. Jalen Waddles played 13 games. He obviously missed this last week with COVID. So it's pretty similar, pretty close. And I think this is really interesting. So we're going to go through some of the advanced stats here real quick. And I just wanted to highlight that how impressive what Jalen Waddle has been doing this year in his rookie year, in a crazy year, um, and with Tua being banged up in and out of the lineup. If we look at average separation would you say Cooper Cup or Jalen Waddle would have had better average separation as a rookie? Jalen Waddle. Yes. 3.3 to 3.1. So slight edge to Jalen Waddle. What about average targeted air yards? Cooper Cup. Yep. 9.3 to 6.9. Nice. Um, percentage of teams air yards? Oh, Waddle. Yep. So very close on this one. 21.25% uh, Cups rookie year and 21.51% uh, for Waddle. And this is really interesting. So what about receptions and targets? I'll say receptions, Waddle. Targets, I'll go Waddle too. Yep. So receptions in 15 games, uh, Cooper Cup had 62 receptions. Waddle already has 86. And targets... In 15 games, Cooper Cup had 94, and Waddle already has 114. <laughs> so last couple ones here. Catch percentage, Cooper Cup or Jalen Waddle? Mm, that's a little tougher. I'll go I'll go Cooper Cup. Jalen Waddle. Okay. So rookie year, Cooper Cup's catch percentage was 65.96%, and Waddle is on 75.44%. So quite a good bit towards Waddle there. And then actually, here's another interesting one. So total yards, total receiving yards for a rookie. Waddle. Which one? No. So interestingly, though, mm. it's 869 for, nice, for Cooper Cup in 15 games versus 849 for Jalen Waddle in only 13 games. Mm. So again, he probably will. You know, if he plays these last couple games, I would I would be pretty confident to say he will surpass him. But as it stands right this moment, he has not. And in their PPR finishes, this is interesting. So Cooper Cup finished as the wide receiver 25. And as it stands right now in a PPR league, uh, Jalen Waddle is wide receiver 18. I just thought that'd be interesting because Cooper Cup has been absolutely smashing it and um, he's the wide receiver one overall, but he's got 12 touchdowns versus Waddle's four. So if you give them equal touchdowns, it'd probably be a lot closer than people would imagine. So like you said, for various reasons, I think there was a little bit of bias against um, the Waddle selection and maybe Waddle as a player in general and a little bit of Tua bias. So you might actually be able to um, get a bit of a, a decent um, deal on Waddle, even even for how great of a season he's had. So that's what I wanted to highlight there just because I thought it was really interesting. And Waddle has become one of those kind of guys that's definitely surprised me. And I'm definitely, definitely excited to see what, what the sophomore leap is going to look like for him. The main event. Fight. Really interestingly, last week we talked zero RB with Colm Kelly from Rotoviz and um, obviously Duke Johnson comes out of nowhere and is the RB1 on the week. Coincidence? I think not. We're going to bring order to the universe. And Troy's going to talk about 
he wants to talk about some positional depth um, and how you build your rosters. And he looks at it a little bit more friendly towards the running backs. Again, I'm slightly saying this tongue in cheek. I'm joking. Calm does not hate running backs. He made that very clear. He likes Jonathan Taylor, as we all do. But he has a different way of um, building his rosters. And that's part of the reason for this podcast is we want to get different amazing guests who are good at fantasy who have their own unique strategies ways of building teams and they're going to share their insights their strategies and you can learn from each individual something useful that you can bring into your startups into your trading into your lineups so troy why don't you just talk me through some of your ideas there and uh, i'll just like interject if i have a question or something i think might be really interesting to touch on of course so my main thing about is positional depth Right. So I think a lot of times when it comes to fantasy, we focus all of our studs. And don't get me wrong, for me, I love to have stud running backs. So at least I like to have two of them. Right. So anytime, and this is me personally, if I've made it to a playoff or ever won a championship, I've had at least one stud running back, like, okay, like a Jonathan Taylor, for example, on my roster. Right. For whatever reason, it just works out like that. And I just feel like a stud running back to me, is more of an advantage than like a star receiver because the way I see it is that receivers are deeper, right? Because like, like, and obviously we're talking about dynasty, but I feel like you can, and if you're desperate, you can grab somebody like a random wide receiver, put him if it's a three wide receiver league, put him in your lineup, like an MVS for example, right? And he could put production up and not. And when it comes to running backs, like it's not you can't always just grab somebody unless there's an injury, right? So I think that's why I like to at least have one stud running back on my rosters and it it just worked out for me. But in terms of positional depth, so there's a lot of teams that, you know, when you're drafting, you kind of go for people just kind of focus on their studs and, you know, on draft day, your lineup looks really great. But if you, whether it's through trading, whatever you do, if you don't have positional depth to account for injuries and now COVID, like we've seen how COVID is completely ravaged so many teams like in my teams like some teams there's a lot of teams who are going to win a championship that aren't the best team in their league it's because of injuries because of covid because of so many different things and maybe they just got lucky or because they had a lot of depth especially for example like in a three wide receiver league if you have a three wide receiver league you should have a lot of receivers i mean it's it sounds like common sense but a lot of times it's not always like that you know people again you know i love running backs some people in a three wide receiver league, look, running back depth, it's important, but I much rather, and if it's like a three wide receiver league and multiple flexes, and if it's like full PPR, either you want a lot of receivers or you want pass catching running backs in that type of format. So you just got to kind of figure out, you know, your settings and it sounds, it sounds a little bit elementary, but a lot of times people don't pay attention to that. And, you know, tight end premium, obviously is important. You know, in tight end premium leagues, you want good tight ends, but some people inflate that a lot. I think sometimes not any and not every tight end is created equal, right? So you gotta have to think about <laughs> yeah. it. The tight end premium, it, it's still important to think about volume, think about the situation. Just because he's tight end, it don't mean anything, right? He still has to be involved in the game plan. And again, anyone listening might think it's common sense, but a lot of people don't apply it all the time, right? Or it's like Receiving, I know a lot of people enjoy having a lot of receivers in Dynasty because of they think they don't get hurt as often, whatever the case may be, which might be. I mean, we've seen wide receivers get hurt. We've seen running backs get hurt. Anyway, I could get injured. But to me, I think it's really about roster construction. So if you're, if 
you're only in a two running back lead at two wide receivers and a couple flexes, then obviously that changes your need of depth, right? Then maybe you need more running back depth. I think running backs are more important in that format versus obviously a three wide receiver league. So I think positional depth based off of how your roster construction is and based off the settings is extremely important. So a couple of things I was thinking when you were talking there that I wanted to pull out and just kind of discuss with you is what is your thoughts? Because you're talking about depth, you're talking about how important it is to have that depth there. So what's your take on handcuffs? for especially dynasty so if we're talking running back so if you if you go out and you draft uh dalvin cook in the first round somewhere say in a one qb league are you looking to try and get madison on your roster or you just you don't care or you want someone else's handcuff or how what do you what way do you tackle handcuffs for example um when you're talking depth and roster construction so for me personally i think when it comes to other people's handcuff i usually like that strategy more in redraft like I'd rather get someone else's handcuff and redraft versus dynasty. And like the way it is, it's like when you're drafting like in a startup in dynasty, you're just trying, you're really just getting value at that point. So whether it's my handcuff or somebody else's handcuff, if I think that one there's, and I feel like all handcuffs aren't created equal, right? So it depends. So like you mentioned, Madison. Obviously, Madison has proven to be a very important handcuff for as long as Dalvin Cook has been in the league. But it also in a startup. If he happens to go to a fall to a round that I'm comfortable in, then yeah, I want to have Dal- I mean, Madison on my team, but I'm not going to like overdraft and go like a couple rounds early to grab him if there's like, because I might be missing out on some other value that it's a valuable player that is startable. So I think it really just depends on if he falls to you in an area that you feel comfortable in. Yeah, you would want to get someone like that's handcuffed. But, and again, like we talked about, not all handcuffs are equal so like Tomaze p ryan for example right he's right now joe mixon's handcuff i'm in the startup i'm not actively looking to try to get him do i want him on my team sure just in case but like he it's gonna be he's not as important to me of a handcuff versus someone like madison or even like an aj Dillon, for example right if i had aaron jones aj Dillon, he has standalone value so to me that's the type of handcuff would also have standalone value. I like those are the ones that I'm trying to focus on a little bit more than just like a solely a handcuff based off injury. Yeah. So say for example, um, you know, an Amir Abdullah who's not going to get any work unless yeah. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey goes down versus an AJ Dillon who could potentially, even if Aaron Jones is fully healthy, could still get forty percent of the backfield. So yeah, you want to look at it you know, value wise that way, but how important, so say you got out of the startup and let's just say you've got Dalvin cook just for the sake of the analogy. Um, and someone else ended up with Madison. Are you making that a priority to test the waters and go out and try and trade for Madison to get him on your roster? Or are you just like, well, it didn't work out. No big deal. And you just keep going on, um, and looking at other options. Sure. So I would say in the off season, what I would do for Madison, if after a startup, I would if someone else had Madison, I probably would offer a third, and if maybe they won't take it, but like I'm not gonna overpay for my handcuff, and I think that's what's important. If I didn't get them, I'll be like, I'll try to test the water. Hey, send a third or something. If they're trying to be ridiculous, because a lot what I've seen a lot of times, right, is that when people have your handcuff, they try to like up the price. Like, oh, if you want to, you're gonna have to pay up, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm straight. Like, I don't need them that badly, but. If yeah. I get them at a fair price, then yes, I would look to acquire them on my roster. But I've been in a situation like in the startup, I had Z, the guy at Tony Pollard. I wanted Tony Pollard. 
somebody was asking me like, like a first for him. Like, you know, people get ridiculous. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I'm, <laughs> you're not going to like hustle me just because that's my handcuff. Like, okay, bye. Like, I'll, I'll survive without yeah. him kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think you made a really good point there that I do want to highlight for the listener is sure. one thing I always, I never do is never make a trade out of desperation, especially yeah. in dynasty because different in redraft, especially this time of year in redraft. It's, I mean, you're, you're in it to win it. If you don't, you know, move on, you're dead anyways. If there was for some reason, obviously most trade deadlines are passed long ago in redraft, but in dynasty, absolutely not. Like I had a couple of rosters this year where, you know, Christian McCaffrey's gone down. I'm relying on him. I'm a contender. I want to win now, but then people come in with these really low ball offers and you're sort of like, yeah, <laughs> Melvin Gordon could help me this week, but <laughs> you know, you're not really like, you know, it's just not worth it in the long run. You have to think, and that is one of the tricks to dynasty is you have to always be kind of halfway thinking about next season or the future, at least um, just e- even from just an asset management, um, you know, outcome in your team and in your roster. So absolutely. That's a really good point. What about real quickly then um, I was thinking as well, when you were talking about that, what about, so for example, Superflex? So if you're in a Superflex startup, you're talking about positional depth. Now, me personally, I've tried lots of different strategies with Superflex. I've tried, you know, not zero QB, but I've tried waiting on QB and going later. I've tried stacking QBs and going early, try to get some elite ones, try to mix and match. So I've tried a couple of different things, but you personally, you know, when you're talking about your depth and how important depth is, if you're doing a Superflex, what what, what way do you sort of attack the quarterback position? Because obviously oh. that would be the most <laughs> valuable position in that sort of draft. I get, I get an elite QB. For me, I need at least one elite QB. So for the first round, I try to get like one of the best. I'm trying to get a Josh Allen. I'm trying to get a Kyler Murray. Like I'm, I feel uncomfortable because I've seen a lot of people that like will stack up their other position players and they'll have like a Jared Goff and like a Sam Darnold from like, let's say like this past one. I've seen a lot of people like, oh, I could just start these guys. Like not nah, like that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to rely on those dudes. Like I want... It's fine. If you want to make an argument for them as your QB two, I can see that. But like, I need at least like a Lamar or somebody like that as my QB one. After I establish that, and obviously then like I want, I feel like you can never have too many QBs in Superflex because either you're going to start them or you're going to use them as trade bit because everybody needs a QB. Somebody told me that the cheapest to get the cheapest QBs ever going to be is in a startup. That's when they're yeah. going to be at their cheapest. So that's when you want to get as many as possible. Like, granted, don't completely ignore the other positions, but yeah, I want at least, at least three QBs. You should probably have four. <laughs> I'll be honest. Probably have four QBs, but I want at least three QBs after I'm done with the startup. Love it. Love it. I, um, yeah, no, that's good because I actually was, that was one of my questions when you said you were originally going to talk about this. It was like thinking about, you know, how would you tackle a startup and what's your take on, especially with what you're talking about here with positional depth and things like that and how important it is. One of the biggest um, talking points, especially in the off season, we're getting into the off season. So I want to talk about stuff, you know, that is relevant to people right now going into the semifinals, but there's going to be a lot of people listening that aren't in the semifinals, unfortunately. Um, and they're probably looking at next season already and maybe thinking about doing a startup or another startup. And um, what way do you sort of tackle the whole, cause there's, you know, the age old debate of like, do you trade up in drafts? Do you trade back and acquire future assets or do you just stick and just always draft where you're at? So where, where how do you sort of tackle that? If you're, so say for example, well, again, to your point, say 
you're drafting in a 12 team startup, it's a super flex, but you're near the end. So you're 11th or something like that. So you're talking about wanting one of those elite quarterbacks. Chances are, you're not going to get one at the 11th spot. Are you willing to start trading up trading future assets or trading later startup picks to get up a little bit higher just so you can grab a Justin Herbert or grab a Josh Allen, or are you just going to stick with where you are? What, what way would you sort of tackle that? If I'm at the 11th spot, I would try. So I would definitely try because for me, I've I've been known to sell my my next year first. And I know some people don't like it, but I feel like in a startup, it's like I said, QBs are going to be cheapest in a startup. So for me, I'd rather have trade my first or whatever to get somebody like a Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar. So that first, I don't care what it is. The chances of that first being more valuable to me than those QBs. It's very, very slim. So I'm going to do some kind of package. Like to me, like, again, I'm using those first as commodities to try to move up to get one of those guys because they're almost priceless. Like right now, if I want to try to trade for Justin Herbert, I'm going to have to throw in my my firstborn child to get him, right? Versus Jaylen. in a startup, you know, I'm going <laughs> to like, I just got to three, you know, I got to throw some later picks or a first future first. And again, I could realistically get him after that. It's like, you might as well sell your whole team just to get him or Patrick Mahomes. It's just like, it's not even worth opening up the discussion or like, you're going to have to package up like a Jonathan Taylor with something else to get, even though no matter how good Justin, sorry, no matter how good Jonathan Taylor is, he's still in a super flex league. You're still going to want, an elite QB, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like I'm I'm the type of dude I'll I'll sell my future first. And again, it 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 sucks next year in the draft. I could because people don't <laughs> want to sell their first, like, but don't get so it does kind of suck at that point. But overall, my like, it's worth it to me. Like, all right, I could get to have Justin Herbert forever if I wanted. That's more important to me than that first. Yeah, and I think that's amazing point that you bring up. Again, we'll probably move on here because I don't want to take too much of your time. And I know the listeners are going to be busy Christmas week, but we'll probably dive more into it in the off season. But I really like what you said there about, you know, kind of the value of a known commodity versus the unknown, especially if it's a year or two years out. Now, you don't want to go crazy. Um, your picks are important and there are obviously a massive um, draw at times of the year. But at the same time, like you said, a difference, especially in a 12 or a 14 team super flex league between losing out on next year's first and getting a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson that you know is a franchise quarterback. And you know, you can probably, uh, you know, outside of a serious you know, career ending injury, you can probably count on for years and years in your team. So I love that you said that because again, like you say, some people, you know, dynasty, they get really precious about the picks and it's like, you can't trade away your picks. You can't do that. What are you doing? You know, that's horrible. And absolutely. It depends on the player, depends on how confident you are in your player evaluations, how you confident you are in your trading um, and how aggressive you are. I'm a very aggressive player. I'm always looking to compete this year. I'm never looking to rebuild. I'll rebuild if I have to, but it's like a last case scenario for me personally. But again, we could talk about this all day. I'm going to have you back on in the offseason, hopefully, if you can um, if you can accept enough bribes to get back on the show. And we'll talk more about some maybe some diving into some strategy for some startups. But let's talk about a couple of maybe deals that we have done recently and break those down. Let's make a deal. Sold your ways. We've talked about some strategy and how you want to build your roster and how you want to um, tackle that. And we'll just talk about a couple quick trades that we've done here um, in this time of year. One thing I always like to do, especially if you know either you're really stacked or if you're kind of 
middle of the road or rebuilding. One thing I find is later in the season, if a rookie has maybe not lived up to the hype or the expectations, you can get a pretty good discount on them. So what I did last couple of weeks, right before the trade deadlines in a lot of leagues, I went around knocking on doors about Trey Lance. For me personally, um, I had Trey Lance as the QB2 in this class, and I was really excited about him. I still believe in the potential. He hasn't seen the field this year. They've managed to get things working with Jimmy G, but I believe based on the boatload of picks that they had to ship, you know, to get him and based on, you know, the abilities that he does have, especially the rushing upside, I do believe he 100% is the QB of the future. The trade that I did, um, specifically, this one was a 10 team league, uh, PPR league, one QB. I went and traded away Baker Mayfield, uh, Amari Rogers, and a 22 third round pick. And I received Trey Lance. Now I in this league. Trade so much. <laughs> <laughs> in this league. I am a. I'm a, the defending champ. So I have a really stacked roster. For Baker Mayfield was like my QB three. Maybe four in this league. I have Mahomes. I have um, Matthew Stafford. I think I've picked up Taysom Hill off of the waivers. Anyways. Baker Mayfield. I'm kind of done with the Baker Mayfield experience myself personally, especially in a one QB league. I just don't see the times when you're going to be wanting to start him. So for me, it was a matter of Baker Mayfield, Amari Rogers. I liked coming in. He hasn't seen the field at all. He hasn't been used at all. And he's not in a Trey Lance situation where there was no option to, if he was playing well enough and if he was making enough strides, he would be seeing the field because let's be honest, Green Bay doesn't have the most stacked of receiver cores. Um, and a 22 third, a third round pick, I'm never going to let stand in the way of what could be a potential um, elite asset. So for me, I see Lance as somebody who very much could be a, an elite asset, um, even in a one QB league with his rushing upside and stuff. So that was my trade. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that, Troy? You, you for it? You thumbs up? I absolutely love it. I mean, like, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of done with the whole Baker experience, especially in a one QB league. Like, nah, I'm good. See ya. Amari Rogers, again, done absolutely nothing. 22 to third. Again, it's very, it's kind of like an extra. Like, it's not going to make or break. So I absolutely love it. Trey Lance, like what he could be, especially in a one QB league. Yeah, absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's worth taking the shot. But Troy, what trade did you bring for us? Sure. So during this season, especially it was the height of Pat Fryer Muth love. I traded is a tiny premium league. I traded a 2022 second. So I had like two of them. I traded one of them that like a competitor had. So it'd be like a late second and a 2023 second. So two seconds for Pat Fryer Muth in the tight end premium league. We saw what he could be in that Steelers offense. Obviously, you know, we don't expect Big Ben to be there next year, but whoever they get, I expect Pat Firemuth to be very involved in that offense for the rest of his career. Again, the tight end position in the Steelers offense has since Heath Miller, it's always been something that's they always use. So I was obviously we saw how talented Pat Firemuth is with the opportunity when he's involved. He has been a little bit banged up these past couple of weeks, but regardless. I like that trade for Dynasty, especially in a tight end premium league. We don't see many rookie tight ends perform. So the fact that we saw him getting involved, to me, is a very positive sign for the future. So I feel like that was a very solid trade for me for what could be for the rest of his career. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I really like that trade. I mean, I think I'm surprised you were able to get Firemuth for less than like 
you know, a first or something like that, you know, because there has been a lot of hype building around him. And especially if it's a tight end premium league, you know, where the tight end landscape can be just absolutely awful and disgusting at times. If it's tight end premium, you know, like you, like you mentioned, you know, to your point, it's very rare that we see tight ends do anything in their rookie year and to outplay more established tight ends on the roster and, and get in ahead of them and be a red zone target, things like that absolutely bodes well. So hundred percent love that. And that ties in with what we were talking about with, you know, getting a deal on rookies, you know, where you, you kind of, if they don't hit this absolute ceiling for some reason, people just get fed up or they get frustrated or they're already looking ahead to the next thing and they forget that you've got to have a little bit of patience with rookies so no absolutely love that deal that is somebody that i'm definitely going to be targeting this offseason is pat fryermuth hopefully before we hear who the new quarterback will be because i think once there's a new quarterback in pittsburgh people will automatically view it as an upgrade and then they'll get excited about it and then the, the prices won't be as cheap so hopefully we can get some deals done before before we find out who the um the heir apparent is for big ben Word of the week. Troy, you have been an absolute treat of a guest, an absolute peach, as Doc Holliday would say. Um, this part of the show is just a little bit of fun. So I am going to teach you a word of Northern Irish slang. So this is a word that you can use maybe for your Thursday Thursdays or <laughs> maybe, for, maybe you can just use in your everyday life. And you can drop it on some people. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you the word. I'm going to get you to guess, see what you think it could mean and see if you can try and use it in a sentence for me. And then I'll let you know what it means. You ready? Right. So the word this week is skyven. So what do you think it would mean if we talked about skyven and how could you use that word? Skyven. Uh, skyven. Uh Skyving to me, it sounds like we're gonna go pretty much we're gonna go do some stuff. Like, all right, so I guess in a sentence, we're about to go skiving over here or something like that. I don't know. That's just my horrible. <laughs> yeah, <game>. so yeah, <laughs> you're pretty close. You're pretty close. So what skiving means. So I actually picked this word because I thought, okay, it's Christmas week. If people are still having to work, what are they gonna be doing? They're probably gonna be doing a bit of skiving at work. Skiving is basically like slacking. It's like, guess, it's yeah. like, you're kind of avoiding, you know, you're avoiding responsibility. You're not doing <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. It's like, Hey, what are you doing? You've been skiving. You've just been like ditching class or you've been like, <laughs> you know, sitting there with the, uh, the laptop open, but you're actually checking your fantasy scores. So you've been skiving while you're at work. Skyving. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what you can, you can use that there for, um, you know, when the boss asks you what you've been up to, Oh, I've uh, actually been doing some very important skiving. <laughs> and he may not ask you what it means because he may <laughs> think he should know what it means already. <laughs> I, li- Troy, I like that. I like that word sky yeah okay. see there you go you can use it and the uh, you can manage to slip that into your your thirsty thursday <laughs> i'll figure out a way i can you know add that in there <laughs> yeah but guys don't be skiving it's thirsty thursday um, <laughs> so guys listen uh happy holidays hope you all have a great christmas week i hope you are still in the playoffs i hope your semifinals go super well just a reminder definitely definitely follow troy if you aren't already if you're on twitter at t king mode um Check out his work at Yahoo Fantasy. Check out shows he does at Football Guys. He is a fantastic guy. Great, great knowledge. An absolute gentleman. And as we alluded to earlier, the drip master of Dynasty. He is smooth as molasses. Um, what a, an absolute gentleman. In the words of Dan Hansis, you've said it all. You've done it all. Troy, is there anything else you want to plug or shout out before we go? Uh, I would say the only thing is you mentioned Thirsty Thursday. So I do a Thirsty Thursday halftime show. Pretty much every, as as long as we have Thursdays, 
I'm going to do a Thursday, Thursday halftime show during halftime of Thursday Night Football with my friend Samantha Hall and LQ, a.k.a. Laquan Jones. We'll do a fantasy. So I'll be doing it. It's only 10 minutes just for halftime. We just drink. We talk about the first half. We just have a good time. It's super quick. And also my YouTube channel. You can find it at Troy King dash T King mode. Or if you just type in T King mode, you can find it. Make sure you like and subscribe. And that's about it. Evan, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, Merry Christmas. We will see you again next week. And Dynasty doesn't have any offseason, so we're going to be here all year. we got an absolute treat of a show next week. Hope you all win, and don't forget to look busy while you're skiving this week. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate